Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And for today, you have just me. You have just my voice. Alan has decided to abscond off to Rome. That's right. He's in Italy um, like like an asshole. Uh, he has abandoned me. Uh, to go and take a look at beautiful architecture and wander around the streets of an ancient city and send me pictures of things asking for me to uh, fig- to explain to him Catholic stuff. So <laughs> that's uh, that's what's going on right now. So it's going to be just me. I am co-host-less, uh, which is totally fine. Always a great chance for me to wander around, babble about my own musings without having to... Uh, you know, um, worry about the ire that may come from Alan sometimes. That's not a complaint. That's just a fun joke. Um, But a lot of stuff still to talk about this week, a lot of things that were going on. Um, And I I wonder, you know, in in prepping for the show, there was a big bombshell story that came out uh, actually this morning. It was released today by the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and typically I don't try to go to the big stories right off, right off the top, but this one is, uh, just so much fun. Uh, what happened is the wall street journal, uh, has released some information that, uh, shows that there is absolute, that it's absolutely viable, uh, that coronavirus leaked from the Wuhan lab. Now, for those of you who've been listening for a while, understand that, Uh, This is something that has regularly and continually infuriated me because I remember early on in the pandemic having a massive argument um, with someone uh, that I was working with at the time because one of the things that I knew from being in military intelligence and things like that is that there was a bioweapons lab in Wuhan, China. A friend of mine happened to have been uh, an analyst and uh, that was her primary area of expertise. And at the uh, to her, it was very alarming because what they listed the Wuhan Chinese lab uh, as was a bioweapons facility. Now, everyone talks about it being a vir- <clears throat> virology lab. But for those of you who don't know, in the military, anything that's a virology lab in a place like China is also considered a bioweapons facility because the capability of building bioweapons in a facility like that is sort of a duh, right? Well, I remember having an argument with this guy where he was, uh, I I asked him to explain to me how a bat biting a rat, biting a snake or what the hell ever, and then being eaten by a person was a more logical explanation than it leaking from the lab that was studying coronaviruses. And this guy was like literally apoplectic over just me even questioning it. And that, like I said, this was early, early, early on in the pandemic. This is like pre-lockdown pandemic. Well, the media appears uh, to have backtracked. I have this story from Red State from Bonchi, uh, who covers it here. It says, for years, the COVID-19 information was ruthlessly censored on social media. Countless accounts were banned under the guise of misinformation for merely asking questions about subjects like mask efficacy and the origins of the virus. Meanwhile, 
Biden administration officials would go on national television to denounce and demean anyone who stepped outside of the official narrative. Dr. Anthony Fauci proclaimed numerous times that COVID-19 was of natural origin and originated in a wet market in Wuhan, China. Even as evidence began to surface that said otherwise, he still towed the line receiving a thank you email from one of the financiers of the gain-of-function research going on there. Apparently, not even the Biden administration can keep the truth hidden any longer, though, according to a new disclosure from the U.S. Department of Energy that cites new intelligence, the lab leak theory is not just back in play, but has been determined to be the most likely explanation. This is from the Wall Street Journal article. The U.S. Department of Energy has concluded that the COVID pandemic most likely arose from a laboratory leak, according to class to a classified intelligence report recently provided to the White House and key members of Congress. The shift by the Energy Department, which previously was undecided on how the virus emerged, is noted in an update to a 2021 document by uh, by Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines's office. The new report highlights how different parts of the intelligence community have arrived at disparate judgments about the pandemic's origin. The Energy Department now joins the Federal Bureau of Investigation in saying that the virus likely spread via a mishap at a Chinese laboratory. Banshi continues, the U.S. US Energy Department has extensive investigation capabilities and powers. So while it might seem odd that it is leading the charge, that was the agency that apparently uncovered the new information. It can't be understated how strong the determination of most likely is in the context. The U.S. government, at least under Joe Biden, is never going to directly accuse China of leaking the virus, but the intelligence provided using such strong language is essentially definitive. In other words, the administration almost certainly knows this came from a lab, and they are willing to admit it now that the dust has settled. Either that or this is the or, or this latest intelligence was going to leak at some point, and they wanted to get out in front of it. Are we to believe there was an Apple evidence back in late 2021 that the lab leak theory was true when Fauci was calling it a crazy conspiracy theory and fluffing China's supposed cooperation? Color me extremely skeptical. I'd, I'd also like to know why two of the 18 intelligence agencies, of which the Department of Energy is one, still believe the virus arose via natural transmission. What exactly are they looking at? Naturally, there will be no apologies from the arrogant Biden officials and their media allies who sought to punish those uh, who told the truth. How many fact checks occurred dismissing the lab leak theory as a right-wing creation? The answer is too many to count. Never mind the propaganda boon China got from such obfuscations. Worse, those obfuscations were made for purely political reasons. Never forget. Now, of course, we showed the easy analysis just using common sense, not any sort of special access or special, uh, you know, uh, human intelligence sources or anything like that, that this came from the Chinese lab when it first happened, because we explained that the Chinese lab, in fact, was investigating coronaviruses at the time, and that just made sense. Only an idiot would have thought that that was not the most likely scenario, and it should have been that everyone approached it from having to disprove that it was. Now, we all know, and those of you who have at least a memory beyond that of a goldfish, would be able to look at this situation and understand that the reason why the left immediately wanted to discount 
the theory that this came from a Chinese lab was because they were more afraid of, quote, xenophobia. Because remember, when it first broke, when the pandemic was first a thing and Donald Trump was talking about it, you even had Democrats going out to Chinatown in one of the most disgusting displays of them attempting to, I, I, I don't even know, it, it's a pandering, I guess. It's just the most grotesque pandering that you could see. Nancy Pelosi went to Chinatown in San Francisco and told everybody it was perfectly safe. Everything's fine because what they were worried about was racism. They were concerned that if you told people that coronavirus spread from a lab leak in China, that it could possibly result in people being racist towards Chinese. You see, that's always the concern. It doesn't matter. The idea that someone somewhere, not a named person, not a specific person, just this caricature that they've made up in their own heads is going to go out and say a mean thing to a poor Chinese person because we mentioned that China may have leaked a virus upon the world. Well, that is the most important thing we have to shut down. It doesn't matter if we lie to the American people. It doesn't matter if we don't properly even look at the information. As long as nobody can say mean words to anybody. Let's see here. Uh, Seeker's got a comment here for our own info. Yesterday, reports came out about the WHO being worried about a strain of bird flu crossing to humans. Funny, considering on Monday, they will be signing a new WHO. That's right. So Seeker's right. Um, there's a new strain of bird flu, and I think there's two cases of it somewhere. Uh, I Forgive me if I'm wrong. I thought it was somewhere like Sudan or Somalia, but I, I don't I don't actually remember where it was. Um, but this is uh, oh Cambodia. Okay, um, <clears throat> yeah this this is one of the other ones. Is we keep seeing uh, I, I remember seeing avian flu pop up uh, earlier because I I was visiting Michigan. I was back home visiting family for my father's 80th birthday, and uh, we went to the zoo. And there were several bird exhibits that were closed down because of avian flu. And I even remember joking to my kids. I was like, oh, that's the next one, guys. This is why you're going to have to do remote school next is because the bird flu is going to come and get you. And it, it's it's funny because um, in my children's lives, uh, when, we, when we describe kind of the differences when they were born, um, I was stationed in California when my daughter was born, and it was during the swine flu epidemic. And so uh, because of that, uh, when my daughter was born, um, there was limited visitation. In fact, my son couldn't come with me to go see my wife and my daughter. Um, and this was this was a big problem. You know, my, my wife was really upset. She couldn't see, you know, she couldn't see one of her kids uh, because they kept her restricted um, in the hospital. And, and my daughter was kept for observation uh, because of jaundice for a, a little while longer than normal. And so we distinctly just remember these things. Uh, and and we've, we've talked about it before. So the idea that there, the idea that we can juxtapose uh, something like swine flu against something like uh, coronavirus is really easy because we were in California when swine flu was a thing and we saw hospitals actually create restrictions because of it. And so we remember that. And then we can basically show like th there was such a vast difference between COVID and swine flu. And at the end of the day, they just seem very similar at the same time. Um, 
they'll probably keep calling it H5N1 because if you say swine flu, people will realize it's just the flu. Yeah, no, it's absolutely, that's absolutely correct. They're going to take the word, the flu, the flu out of it. They'll probably change old documents, right? Like they're not going to call it bird flu or swine flu. They're going to call it some other name. And then they'll go back and actually revise old texts. So the word flu is never, never attached to it. Maybe, maybe they won't watch the word influenza because most people wouldn't know what that is. And they'll be like, no, we, we, we didn't get rid of the information, but they will write it. And, and this is, this is the thing is, is remember, there were a lot of people saying this, there were a lot of people pointing to the idea that this would have leaked from a lab. And then there was a lot of discussion and question about stuff like gain of function research. How much did the United States have to do uh, with developing something like this through things like gain of function research? And the entire time, the media establishment, the political establishment and the liberal elite lied. They lied. Not only did they lie about it, we expect politicians to lie, but they they demonized any other person who wanted to even discuss it. And they suggested that it was all a, quote, right wing conspiracy theory. And how many times is this now that every right wing conspiracy theory turns out to be true? The difference between a right wing conspiracy theory and the truth appears to be, on average, about six months. And there has to be a certain point where when when are we as Americans going to finally get tired of the gaslighting from the media elite and from Washington, D.C.? When are we going to get sick and tired of all of the lies and the bullshit that they keep trying to spread at us? And the worst part of it is they're not doing it like they're not doing it for any sort of altruistic purpose. They're doing it to save face. They're doing it for PR. It's never like, well, you know, we may have may have kind of, you know, overreacted a bit or, or pushed this a little bit hard because we needed everybody to do a certain thing because it would have been the best for everyone or, you know, whatever. There, there's a there's I'm not saying I agree with it, but there is a myriad of excuses that these people could use for why they did what they did or, you know, why, why they took the positions that they took. You could come up with good reasons that would be supported by all of your apparatchiks in the media and, uh, you know, all of the idiots who believe your regular propaganda anyway. But therein lies the problem. Why didn't they do it? Why wouldn't they have done those things. How come they instead just call everything a lie and then try to rewrite history? Is it because it's easier? Is it possibly because there's something even deeper? Is this all a distraction? I don't know. There's, there's a million different reasons why we can come up with it. But the point is, is that it would appear that the left is just more obsessed with lying. And and we do have a theory on some of this. And, and that theory is um, that the immediate reaction that you will get uh, from just about everybody uh, on the left is they have to do whatever they can to kill the idea of the right wing being correct. They 100% cannot have the right wing be correct ever under any circumstances. And so they will immediately attack, you know, with a veracity, just complete and total insanity. Because, idea, you know, it's, uh, Alan always uh, brushes this up too. They can't, they can't quote, let the racists win. And there's so much evidence that that is what drives the left at its core is the idea 
that if if anyone is ever proven correct on the right, that that is them letting the racist win because, oh, if they're proven right on this one thing, then what about this other thing? How horrible, awful, and terrible would it possibly be? Now, I'm grabbing a clip <clears throat> that kind of goes along this line because I'm noticing an interesting pattern and I want to make sure everybody else notices this pattern. So in the next couple of days when everyone else decides to listen to the show um, and then uh, rushes out to make the same points that we've made early, uh, which is part of the reason why we do this on Sunday. Um, it's me being a little bit arrogant there, but you know, prove me wrong. I, there have been plenty of times that we, uh, we don't make it a point <clears throat> on this program for us to go around and pat ourselves on the back all the time. But there have been plenty of times that we've mentioned something and then Alan and I will share information back and forth, uh, pointing out like, oh, hey, look, everyone's talking about that thing we mentioned. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so, um, but there's probably going to be uh, fairly soon a big cancellation campaign uh, against, um, against Woody Harrelson, of all people, uh, because he gave a monologue uh, that is going to absolutely upset and butthurt the left because, well, it's pretty obvious uh, exactly what's going on here, but I think that it's a trap. So it looks like the setup of this, because uh, I don't have the full audio here, it looks like the setup of this is Woody Harrelson was talking about, uh, uh, was making the joke that he was going to uh, make, write a movie script uh, that was based around the idea of um, a a virus being leaked out, and uh, it was actually all just a um, you know a cynical scheme, <laughs> as it were, to uh, get people to buy a to to buy medicine from the evil pharmaceutical companies. And um, I mean, I think you all can kind of see where he's kind of going with this. But uh, it's interesting that it comes out now. Uh, the timing, the timing I'm going to be a little bit suspicious of now that doesn't mean you don't have, you, you can't celebrate this. You can't share it. And it doesn't mean you have to be overly skeptical of every little thing that proves our point. Um, but let me play the clip here. This is from, uh, the opening monologue, um, which hopefully I'll be able to, uh, get to work here. It's fighting me. And of course I'm, I'm by myself trying to, uh, uh, pan while this is going on. Um, you know what? I'm just going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to play it. Uh, the audio is not going to be super great here. So I do apologize everybody. Um, but, uh, you all are wonderful, so you'll be okay with it. So let me just, uh, let me, let me play the audio from here. Uh, so you guys can hear it and, uh, we'll, we'll just go from there. So sorry. Give me one second. Here we go. Hey, so the movie goes like this, the biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? So the movie goes... So now Woody Harrelson's being attacked. There are a slew of, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Um, there's a slew of articles now being posted um, all over the internet because this happened last night. This was on Saturday Night Live. And now now the, the media is having a day over it. And there have been several publications that uh, Woody Harrelson goes on unhinged uh, anti-vax, uh, shares unhinged anti-vax conspiracy theory which is hilarious because it's proving the point he made. 
Now, I'm suspicious that somebody on Saturday Night Live is going to go out there and say this, and it just so happens to be the day before the Wall Street Journal releases the lab leak theory. Look, not everything's a giant conspiracy, but at the same time, conspiracies do exist. And so I do find it very, very, very interesting um, that they're suddenly kind of normalizing this. Now, of course, the left is upset. What's fascinating is I was reading through uh, Twitter comments, uh, seeing like Joe Scarborough, of all people, from Morning Joe on MSNBC, uh, shared the Wall Street Journal's article. And now I find it hilarious because these are the same people that told us that it was a right-wing conspiracy theory, but now they're trying to save face because it's it's coming out. Like it's it's too late. The information's coming out. So they're going to try to, you know, historically revise and act like, well, we're just sharing the news. How could we have known? You know, they're going to play ignorant. Of course they are. What's amazing is how many liberals are losing their damn minds in the comments. They're wedded to this. They can't have the lab leak theory be true. Now, don't misunderstand me. Coronavirus leaking from a lab doesn't change anything for them about coronavirus, right? Because it still would mean that coronavirus is a thing. It still means that coronavirus is scary. It still it actually elevates the idea of coronavirus being bad uh, because it could have been a Chinese bioweapon, you know, something like that. None of this hurts like the liberal ideal here. Because for us, it was, it's not that serious. It's not worthy of lockdowns. It doesn't need, you know, we don't need to be overstepping this much. This is honestly a lot like the flu. The death totals are being, you know, dramatically overstated because it's people uh, who died with COVID, not from COVID. Like we've said all of these things. None of that severity goes away with the revelation of it coming from a lab leak. So why would liberals be so afraid of this information coming out? And this is where you get some insight into what is actually a driving force behind a lot of liberals. And that is the lab leak theory can't be true because it means that they've argued with friends, neighbors, family, random people on the internet about them being right wing conspiracy theorist, ultra MAGA retards, and they can't be allowed to be correct. That's what they're afraid of. Liberals aren't afraid of the fact that this came from a, a lab. They don't care. That doesn't affect them any. It's not like Joe Biden's going to stand up against China, who's financing him and his family. No, it's the fact that somebody from the right wing would be correct. And that is worse than anything else. It doesn't matter that they were lied to. It doesn't matter that the media lied to them. It doesn't matter that big pharma made this huge deal out of it in billions of dollars and the government was able to tyrannically lock you in your house and shut down schools and you weren't allowed to go anywhere or do anything and your rights were just stripped from you because of some scary flu. No, none of that matters. They don't care about that. That's all okay. What's even worse than the coronavirus pandemic would be the pandemic of the right wing being correct. That's a more damaging force again than anything else. So HD Cynical on our chat here, which anybody else who might be listening, feel free to jump in on our chat. You can do so if you go over to Podbean and you know follow this when it's live. If you're listening to this afterwards, you can, of course, as always, just 
download the Podbean app and you'll be able to join us live when we do this and be able to comment. You can also send your comments to our Discord, uh, which you can get by becoming a subscriber. And that's going to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio. And for $2.99 a month, you can become a subscriber. You get access to our discord um, and uh, you'll get different updates. Now we are looking for potentially a new um, venue uh, for subscriptions. It's not that Subscribestar is so bad. It's honestly super uh, easy to use. And we do thank you all who are subscribed and we should be doing better at posting things there. It's just the GUI sucks. I can't share decent things on there. I can only share hyperlinks and I can't really even do good text formatting. But at the same time, I don't want to go back to Patreon, which does have all of those capabilities, but we'll look into it. Well, right now we're going to stay at Subscribestar, but we should be doing more on there. Um, We should give you guys even more. But as I was saying here, Katie Hobbs and friends are being, uh, being owned by the Sonola cartel. So uh, this is actually the Sinaloa, I'm sorry, Sinaloa cartel. This is interesting. There's, I haven't read deeply into it, but I have seen it mentioned that the current governor of Arizona, the one that, um, the the one that won against Carrie Lake, what everybody's questioning or that Carrie Lake is questioning. People thought it was very dodgy. Doesn't matter because once again, you know, the Democrats could have absolutely stolen an election, but you're not, you're not allowed to even mention the fact that that could have happened. It's never been a potential before, except for when Hillary Clinton lost, you know, all of those things or any Democrats lost in my lifetime, to be honest, they've all claimed was a, uh, was stolen from them. But there's supposedly some reporting coming out that Katie Hobbs has been basically laundering money for the Sinaloa cartel and the Sinaloa cartel, uh, they were funneling this money through like rental properties. What's interesting is this isn't the first time I've heard the Sinaloa cartel brought up. Now, just so you all know, I'm sorry if I sound a little ignorant on this, but I I didn't do a ton of research on this particular story because it wasn't in my show prep. But the Sinaloa cartel has been connected to a lot of other things to include some of like Joe Biden's initiatives. Some of the stuff in Ukraine has been connected to the Sinaloa cartel. This is a large human trafficking and drug trafficking cartel from Mexico and South America. And it looks like in Arizona, sense that is the place where you would look for cartel corruption. It makes perfect sense. Um, But it is fascinating to me because we're actually seeing an investigation into it. And how insane is that going to be? How insane is it going to be that Carrie Lake fought so hard because things looked strange in Arizona? I mean, it took days and days or weeks. I can't even remember anymore to try to figure out who won the Arizona election. And we, you know, we sat there forever in a day waiting, you know, for just a few ballots to come in and they were trickling in. And it was the same story uh, that we saw when, you know, Joe Biden somehow won an election from his basement. And then we find out that the this this governor is compromised by a drug cartel. Like, okay, so if we find out that this woman in her campaign is compromised by a drug cartel, is it really so far to think that that same drug cartel wouldn't uh, do some things illegally regarding votes to make sure that their person got into power? Because they do that in South America, right? We hear about that all the time. Don't they rig elections in South America for for the cartels? I'm pretty sure our own State Department has said so much. Would they not do that in the United States for a governor of a border state? Really? Interesting. 
interesting. Is this going to be another one of those right-wing conspiracy theories that gets proven correct six months later that we find out that they actually did fraudulently steal the election? But at that point, it won't matter. They'll just be like, well, it doesn't matter. It's going to go to the Democrat lieutenant governor and then, you know, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, uh, 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 Carrie Lake is, is still a psychopath for even suggesting. Is that what's going to happen? It's entirely possible that that's what's going to happen. Well, now that we're about a half an hour into the program, I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit because I do want to cover some of the East Palestine stuff that happened, um, which uh, I, I don't know if I'm the only one that's noticed this. Maybe maybe I'm crazy. But um, uh, has anyone noticed that they've, they've gone to re- referring to it as East Palestine? Like they don't want to call it Palestine. It's East Palestine. Is that supposed to be like a differentiation? Maybe, maybe to make sure that liberals don't get confused because, you know, they, they want to make sure that, you know, they don't want a bunch of liberals showing up and being like, well, we're supposed to defend Palestine. And they go, no, 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 not, 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 not that one. No, that's the Palestine with the brown people. This is the one with the white people. Don't defend that one. And it's like, oh, damn it. You know, some, somebody hears that there's a climate crisis in Palestine. They're like, oh, shit. Like, let's get all the money going. Hurry up, guys. Let's go. And then they're, oh, oh no, no, no. Not that one. The, the one with the brown people is the one we care about. Not the one with the white people. Is that it? Well, Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> let's just be honest. Donald Trump announced that he was going to go to Palestine, Ohio. And then shortly after, Pete Buttigieg says, I'm also going to go. <laughs> you know, he wasn't going to go. People kept asking, where's Buttigieg? Where's Biden? And there was all this stuff where they weren't going to go. And there were all these reasons why they weren't going to go. The minute Donald Trump says he was going to go, you know for a fact that Biden or someone got a hold of Buttigieg and was like, you need to get your ass into Ohio like tomorrow because damn it, Donald Trump's going to go there and he's going to look way better than you. He's going to look way better than Biden. You have to get your ass over there. And this is uh, now, uh, of course, you know, never, never let Buttigieg or any member from the uh, Biden administration um, never uh, take away their ability to go play dress up because we know that several Biden administration officials really like to play dress up to include stealing other women's clothing. Uh, But Buttigieg decided to go play dress up and uh, he showed up and put on his little hard hat and his little safety glasses and his little reflective vest to go out there and play construction worker for a little bit. Um, And probably, you know, has a bunch of pictures that he kept and smiles at and wants to throw up on his Instagram account. Um, But this is a, this is what Buttigieg had to say while he was in uh, Palestine, Ohio. Yeah. You mentioned a national political figure who's decided to get involved. It sounds like you're talking about Trump. And then you said, I need your help. How can he help? Well, one thing he could do is uh, uh, express support for reversing the deregulation uh, that uh, happened on his watch. I heard him say he had nothing to do with it, even though it was in his administration. Uh, so if he had nothing to do with it and uh, they did it in his administration against his will, uh, maybe he could come out and say that uh, uh, that. Uh, he supports us moving in a different direction. Now, we're not afraid to own our policies when it comes to raising the bar on regulation. And uh, I've got to think that uh, uh, him indicating that this is uh, something that everybody, no matter how much you disagree on politics and presidential campaigns, can get behind. Higher fines, tougher uh, uh, regulations on safety, Congress unti- untying our hands on breaking rules. All the other things that go with that, uh, that'd be a nice thing for him to do. Yeah. Boy, that's interesting. You know, you know, you know what I love most about uh, oh my Sunday morning. You know what I love most 
uh, about the stupidity of this argument is, well, number one, nobody can really tell whether or not any sort of regulation would have stopped this. This was, in fact, um, oh, Colleen's, Colleen's telling me that Palestine is how it's pronounced locally. I'm still going to make fun of it, but um, I, I do thank you for the uh, the update. And that makes sense, right? Like, and and Colleen would know. Um, sometimes cities are pronounced funny. I used to live when I was stationed in Georgia. I used to live near a place that was pronounced Martinez. Most people would pronounce it Martinez, but it was pronounced Martinez. There's a few others like that, but doesn't matter. So so they they say they say Palestine. Um, well, it's interesting because Buttigieg is sitting here saying that this was because th this entire disaster happened because uh, there was a Trump regulation. Trump de or Trump deregulated something. That's that's what that that's the line that they're going to go with. Now remember, they always go with the blame Trump, right? They always have to blame Trump. Um, it's always Trump's fault somehow. So they they said um, they said that they uh, that the whole reason this happened was because of that. There was some deregulation. Now it doesn't really matter. I don't want to have to debate the regulation deregulation. What the hell ever. Uh, I, I will say that part of it was, uh, in all honesty, as far as I can tell, um, it was not actually a deregulation so much as an automation. Like let's have machines do some of this instead of visual inspections, because that's dumb and unnecessary with the technology that we have. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because what is, what is the Biden administration actually saying here? What is it that they're saying? If this is a thing, if, if, if this is something that Trump did, well, this terrible thing happened because Donald Trump deregulated something to do with braking or inspections on, on uh, trains. Well, okay. And that's a big deal, right? And it's super unsafe. And it was, it, it was just, of course, going to head to disaster exactly with what we're seeing here in Ohio. That's what they're saying is like he deregulated and we knew, we knew the whole time, we knew the whole time that this was going to lead to a disaster exactly like what we're seeing in Ohio. So what the Biden administration is saying here is that for two years, they didn't do anything about it. If President Trump is the reason why the regulation is gone, then President Biden could be the reason for the regulation to be put back in place, right? Isn't that how it works? It's the same position. It's the same authority. Explain yourselves. This is how stupid the Democrat Party thinks their voters are. They are literally admitting they didn't do a damn thing about this for two years. They had a majority in both houses of Congress. They didn't do anything. They didn't do shit for two years. Democrat House, Democrat Senate with a tie-breaking vote from the Vice President of the United States, and a Democrat uh, sitting in the White House, but they didn't do anything. No, we didn't do anything about it, but it's still Trump's fault. Like, yeah, no, we knew this was a big deal. We just didn't do anything about it. Still Trump's fault though. Amazing. That's how dumb Democrats think their voters are, is they could just say, well, we're going to tell them it's Trump's fault and they're going to get super mad that it's Trump, while at the same time admitting we didn't do anything about this for two years, even, if, even though we're also going to claim that we knew it was a big deal the entire time. The entire time. Now, we said early on that like, yeah, is this like the president's fault? No. We said that with Joe Biden. We said it wasn't his fault. In fact, what we were covering mostly was their reaction. The fact that they're so bad at reacting to this stuff. It's almost 
My fun theory that I have for myself on this is the reason why the Democrat Party is so bad at reacting to anything around Joe Biden is because they actually have to mitigate the amount of stress in Biden's life because he has mental faculty issues. And the more stress that's applied on him will cause problems. It will cause him to have an episode of some sort. Maybe that's not a nice theory, but it's a theory. And it makes a lot of sense by how bad this administration is at handling literally any crisis, almost as if handling the crisis isn't the primary concern. It seems far more viable that the primary concern for these people is limiting the exposure of Joe Biden to the crisis. But Biden was also asked if he was ever planning on going to visit Ohio to survey this damage. Now, of course, this would be something that would be smart. We're heading into a presidential election season and one of his people, uh, one, one of his primary opponents did go and visit. And this is uh, the best that Joe Biden could come up with when responding to the question of whether or not he was planning on visiting East Palestine, Ohio. That's pretty, pretty bad audio. And I apologize because, you know, I, I believe that was Marine one was in the background, but you know, I did a whole video on um, 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 Zoom, Zoom. You know, when I think of Zoom, it reminds me from my, back in my day, there was a song called Who's Zooming Who? <laughs> Seriously? This is the leader of the free world, folks, commander-in-chief of the United States military. Yammering, yammering like your grandfather sitting at an old folks' home. And that's the person we're supposed to believe got 81 million votes, by the way. So if, uh, I don't know if you guys are a little freaked out over the idea of us, uh, walking backward into my Sunday morning, God. every time I delete one of the audio clips, it goes to the top and it's very annoying. So if you're wondering why the theme keeps picking back up, that's why, um, yeah, we're, we're walking backward into world war three because this idiot is in charge and you know, attempting to hide his corruption and, and all of that, which is fascinating because not only, uh, you know, not only are we still facing everything, it's like the year anniversary of the, you know, Russian invasion into Ukraine, which has rebirthed the Ukraine nonsense, but there's more stuff that continues to come out. And there was actually an interview um, that was conducted and translated into English where Zelensky had words for Americans that are, you know, asking questions, um, regarding, uh, any, any, any American who's asking any questions with regards to the amount of funding, um, that were, that we're sending to Ukraine. And, uh, I have to admit it's, uh, very interesting in his reaction. Um, we all know that like, obviously, you know, in the West, there's this obsession with you, you have to go a hundred percent along with everything that has to do with Ukraine or else you're, you know, I don't know, a Putin puppet or whatever other threat they wish to bestow upon us. Um, 
but the idea here is there's this elevation that's happened with Zelensky. They're trying to make him a hero. And we know that Hollywood's involved because they dress him up all weird and he's, you know, he he's got a style. And that that alone, that alone should have irked enough people that he has a style that, you know, th there's an obvious like thing going on here, but, but there, there was an interview that was done and he was, uh, Zelensky was asked a question. He has a, a very interesting reaction to it. Polls in the United States are suggesting that a growing number of Americans believe that the U S is giving too much support to Ukraine. What would your message be on the anniversary to those Americans? Thank you. I would like to thank the American people. I would like to thank all of the American people that are supporting Ukraine, the Congress, the president, the TV uh, channels, the journalists, and everyone that has been supporting us. And that uh, percentage of uh, Americans, as uh, you've uh, mentioned, is increasing. Uh, I can tell them only one thing. If they do not change their opinion, if they do not understand us, if they do not support Ukraine, they will uh, lose NATO, they will lose uh, the cloud of the United States, they will lose the leadership position that they are joining the world, uh, that they are joined for a very fair reason, and they will lose the support of the country with 40 millions of population, with millions of children. Are American children any different? than ours? Don't Americans enjoy the, the same things uh, as we do? I don't think we're that different. And uh, So Zelensky now gets to speak for NATO, apparently. If we don't, you know, if, if we question the amount of money that is sent to Ukraine, well, we're going to lose our leadership role in the world. We're going to lose our, you know, uh, we're, we'll lose NATO. That's, uh, that's fascinating to me. Um, I guess you're not allowed to question it. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, that was his reaction. That was his reaction was, you know, for those people, <laughs> it sounds like a threat, right? It's kind of like blackmail. Well, you know, for those people that uh, don't support uh, giving me billions and billions and billions of dollars, um, well, you know, how would you like it if you just lost NATO? How would you like it if you guys weren't leaders in the world anymore? Like, I love it because Zelensky, honestly, I think is a huge liability. I think the hero worship of Zelensky will ultimately be a huge liability for the globalists and for the left because it's it's inevitable that this guy is going to step on his nuts. It's inevitable that he is going to, especially that the best thing that is happening for Zelensky right now on the world stage is the fact that Russia is in Ukraine. If any, if these hostilities end and Zelensky is still uh, leading Ukraine, everyone is going to end up seeing just how corrupt this man is. They're going to see how owned this man is. And ultimately they will see him for the dictator 
that he is. I remind you that all of these people constantly tell us that we're fighting for, quote, democracy in Ukraine. That's supposedly why we're supposed to just be okay with a slow walking into World War III is because we're fighting for democracy, except for the fact that there isn't democracy in Ukraine. First of all, a big part of the hostilities that are occurring in Ukraine happened because there was a coup. They overthrew the elected president in Ukraine. And the West was part of that. Then, after they overthrew him, they started softening and wanting to join NATO, and Biden went along with it, and that's why Russia rolled tanks onto the border. Now, maybe you agree with Ukraine joining NATO, but we can't pretend like Russia just woke up one day and decided to invade Ukraine. That's not how that happened. There were degrees of things that happened, and Russia was very clear on what they were going to do, and the West said, I don't care. We're going to do what we want. And all right, fine, fair enough, I guess. But at the end of the day, to achieve a lot of those goals, and because there was opposition in Ukraine, by the way, Zelensky started banning political parties. He got rid of everything but state media. They're currently under martial law. Men are not allowed to leave the country. There are reports that they're rounding up boys as young as 16 years old and sending them out to the front lines. Now, people might defend that. I can see it. I mean, there are things that you have to do in war that are going to be very uncomfortable. But let's not pretend like Ukraine isn't doing things that we consider to be bad, that we consider to be not okay, that in fact we consider to be affronts to democracy. So I'm a little tired of it, but it is what it is. I mean, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, the point is um, that I think he's going to be a massive liability. I think he's going to end up kicking himself in the nuts. And of course, we'll see the left attempt to do some sort of revisionist history around this. But at the same time, uh, because it was close to the year anniversary and the Biden administration is obsessed with headlines and they're obsessed with how they look and everything else. Joe Biden decided to pay a visit to Kiev. I'm sorry, Kiev, because everyone just changed how we've been pronouncing it the entire time uh, suddenly because I don't know reasons, but he went to Kiev uh, and, uh, you know, wandered around with Zelensky and there was a video. Oh my gosh, such a great, wonderful video that was so easily dismissed that I was honestly infuriated that anyone even attempted to bullshit me with it. The video is Zelensky and Biden walking and there's air raid sirens in the background and all of the apparatchiks in the media and all of the paid propagandists on Twitter talked about how tough it was that Joe Biden was walking while air raid sirens blared in the background. It's the president of Ukraine and the president of the United States. If there was any threat of a potential air raid at that time, both of those men would have been rushed to a secure bunker. Are you freaking kidding me right now? Who the hell believes this? Absolute propaganda. Everyone knows that. Stop lying. How dumb do you think we are? 
Of course it's propaganda. There's no way in hell those men would be wandering around outside with air raid sirens blaring and no one doing a damn. Not a single person was reacting. Not a single person in the video was reacting. And there's no way that the leader of Ukraine and the leader of the United States would be allowed to just walk around while an air raid was happening. And let me remind you, it was supposed to be a, quote, secret trip. According to the media, it was kept secret from the media. But you know who it wasn't kept secret from? Russia. The United States even admitted it. They informed Russia that Biden was going to be in Ukraine so they could deconflict because we're not actually at war with Russia, dummies. And so they told Russia that Biden was coming. So Russia knew. Russia knew before our media knew when Joe Biden was going to be there. Russia knew the entire time. They knew when he was going to be arriving. So there wouldn't be any potential activities. By the way, that deconfliction is so Russia doesn't accidentally do something and kill the president of the United States because they don't want to do that. So for all the libs out there and the pro-Ukrainian idiots, um, kind of need you to know, yeah, Russia knew the entire time. So I don't know what to tell you, but you know, they're all going to pretend like that's not, you know, totally not a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Colleen saying I ignored indirect fire signals, uh, to go back to sleep in Afghanistan, but that siren was staged. No, it absolutely was staged. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? <laughs> it's like, it, you know, air raid sirens have a very different feeling. I didn't spend a lot of time on an air base. Well, I, uh, second time around I did, but, um, uh, we were, we were right next to, uh, I can't even remember what that, uh, anti, uh, IDF system was, but it was right next to the building that I was sleeping in and it would shake the whole damn bunk when it would go off. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, but also very loud. So you couldn't really sleep through it, but yeah, that, that's exactly the thing is it's just like one, one thing I will always tell everyone is when you see some of these videos. Look at how everyone's reacting. One of my favorite ones is Malcolm Nance. You know, when he's like, he's like, stand by, cruise missiles, six of them. You know, he's like checking his watch and everything. Look in the background. Look in the background of that video next time you see it. Look in the background and notice all the people who are just walking around and don't give a damn. Now, <clears throat> I'm not suggesting that it that means nothing's happening, but I am saying that always check the background of videos and see how people are reacting. It's a pretty easy way to tell if something's staged. If you want to make it look public, you can do so by being in public. Problem is, is that you can't get the entire public in on it or else it looks inorganic. And so if you don't see a bunch of other people running around, it means they don't care or it means that it's commonplace. And so they try to sell it to you. Now, speaking of that, one of the interesting things that I've seen is basically a psyop that's occurring where uh, you have all of these uh, all uh, you have all of these leftists and pro-Ukrainian accounts that are now claiming that the right wing all have this conspiracy that uh, the the war in Ukraine uh, just simply doesn't exist. It's not real. It's not even happening. Um, I can understand why uh, people have that opinion. Uh, I'm not, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you the reason why I think that it's not true. Uh, why I, I don't think it's a true opinion to have. 
And I also think that not everybody that they claim is saying that it's not real is saying that it's not real. I think that a lot of people are claiming that there's a bunch of propaganda and we're being lied to. Uh, that's true, 100% true. But the left is creating this psyop that the right wing thinks that the war is fake entirely so anyone who questions the war in Ukraine can be considered a conspiracy theorist. We all know this. We see them do this all the time. The reality of it is, is... Um, that, well, the reality is, is that the left is manufacturing this out of whole cloth. There's not that many people. There's always fringe people that they can find. It's maybe a few anonymous Twitter accounts that have maybe shared some stuff um, that's dubious at best. Uh, but the left is going to try to use this to define anybody who questions Ukraine because that's their new holy sacred cow uh, that they're virtue signaling for. Let me explain to you why it's not this is what it would take for the war in Ukraine to be a complete wag the dog scenario, completely fake. And that is simply Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin would have to both be in on it for that to occur. They would both have to be in on it and decide, stage a war. So Vladimir Putin would have to decide to, you know, endure all the sanctions and everything else that's going on with his country and everything specifically to wag the dog for the globalists. And I just, I, I'm not saying it's completely impossible. I'm also never, I'm, do not misunderstand me. I am not saying at all whatsoever that the media elite and Democrat politicians and the deep state would never fake something or never put on a false flag. I'm merely saying that you would have to get Vladimir Putin to go along with it for that to happen. I'm just letting you know. And that's why I don't think that this is a big, you know, uh, fake war wag the dog scenario. Let's see here. Seeker is saying uh, this Russia-Ukraine war was started to induce World War III which will be used to induce their one world bullshit. Yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, they would love that. I mean, 100%. Uh, they, they need, they always need a boogeyman. And that's the big thing here. That's the one thing that you guys always need to understand. They consistently need a boogeyman. So there has to be a boogeyman for them to be afraid of, uh, for them to you know chase after, for them to scare you with and, and convince you to give up your rights and go against basic human logic. There has to be a boogeyman. Look, we don't want to do it this way, but we have to because the big mean boogeyman's here. And without the big mean boogeyman, well, then what do they do? And so you're, you're exactly correct in that assessment of, you know, like, would they slow walk us into World War III? Yeah, 100%. They 100% would do that. They would slow walk us into World War III specifically to put in their, you know, one world agenda nonsense, take over, you know, use the threat of, you know, Russia or what the hell ever. Or it could just simply be the fact that since Russia's not playing ball with their globalist nonsense, they have to take them off the map because something as large as Russia, a power as large as Russia on the world stage that's not playing ball with their globalist nonsense, uh, well, that's a huge threat to them. Is it not? I mean, think about it. What if what if Russia did roll in, take over Ukraine, go into Kiev, and then started actually revealing to everybody all of the money laundering that Democrat politicians and other, you know, European politicians and who the hell ever showing that Ukraine was basically used for uh, Western money laundering? That'd be pretty damn devastating, right? 
if you were a rich, powerful person on the world stage, you would probably do everything in your power to start a war to not have that kind of stuff revealed. Would you not? You would possibly even commit a terrorist attack against a pipeline of your own allied country just to, you know, make sure that that kind of information doesn't get leaked out. And I don't think it's just Democrats, by the way. I think there's plenty of Republicans who are laundering money through Ukraine as well. It doesn't surprise me at all. So, you know, could we potentially go into, um, could we potentially be going into World War III? It's possible. Vladimir Zelensky has agreed to meet uh, with President Xi of China, who has released a 12-point plan for peace in Ukraine. This is going to be very agitating to the United States. Because what happens if China brokers a peace deal in Ukraine? Well, I can tell you right now, it'll be pro-China. It will be a pro-China deal. And that means it's not going to be a pro-US deal. It means that the United States is going to lose its connections and capabilities within Ukraine. And that's going to be very, very problematic. So what's going to happen? What happens if Zelensky, I don't know, like, how, how do you want to phrase it? What happens if Zelensky gets a better deal? You know, if he gets a better deal from China, it's entirely possible that they can. So what is the world like? What, what do you all think? Go ahead and let me know in the comments. What do you think will happen if we see China actually broker a peace deal between Russia and Ukraine? How is the West going to get involved? How's the West going to make sure that that doesn't happen? Because I still have to go back to the timing of a lot of this stuff um, and point out that it was shortly after Afghanistan fell and a lot of defense contracts worth billions and billions of dollars just suddenly dried up overnight that we just suddenly started another war and started feeding the same billions and billions of dollars into something else. So forgive me for being a little cynical about it, but uh, a lot of people lost a lot of money when we pulled out of Afghanistan and suddenly made it right back up going into Ukraine. Do you think that the politicians that are funded and owned by a lot of these special interest groups are going to just let that money dry up when they quite literally look like they started a damn war, potentially one that could lead to a world war just to keep their money flowing? I don't know. It sure seems that way. I don't think I'm crazy for asking or wanting to point that out, but it's definitely something worth noting that I think we have to take a look at. Let's see. Eric has a comment here. Uh, Donald Trump used to be a lobbyist for Democrats and Republicans, and those very politicians he donated money to didn't have any problem taking his money and Trump filling their coffers. When Trump ran for president, both Democrats and Republicans turned on him because they were afraid he'd disrupt them and their way of doing business, which he did. Now, that's very true. And that's actually an interesting, um, that's an interesting uh, part that's, that'll go into another, um, another kind of uh, part of the, part of the news that came out this week that I want to cover, which is um, Ron DeSantis. I'd be very interested in getting the opinion of our audience here on Ron DeSantis because there's some interesting stuff going on. And uh, when you look at Trump and when you look at DeSantis, it's getting very interesting. Um, it, I guess I'll just be kind of uh, 
because it's just me and I don't have Alan here, um, I'll give you guys my unsolicited opinion, although is it really unsolicited when you're listening to my show? I don't know. But I'll give you my unsolicited opinion here, and that is uh, Trump is pissing me off. Um, Trump is losing me entirely because of himself. And what I mean by that is, like, has he lost me entirely? No, I'm not anti-Trump. Um, but the way he's been acting recently uh, has honestly gotten on my nerves a lot. And a big part of it is this. What I need from any policy... Well, actually, let me start it this way. Number one, we're heading into a primary season. So what is a primary season? Well, a primary season is all of these politicians go to the states and voters vote in a primary and they show who they choose to be their nominee. This is actually the first test for who can do the best statewide, get the most votes, potentially win the electoral college, because that's how we do elections here in the United States. I will... <laughs> I have a good comment from Seeker that I'll read in a second. Um, I, I will I will tell you this. Every politician needs to earn my vote. I do not owe loyalty to politicians, and neither do you. And anyone who tells you that you do needs to go to hell. They need to be punched in the face and corrected with exactly how this works. Politicians work for me not the other way around. I don't know shit to a politician. They earn my vote. Every one of them has to earn my vote. My earn, my vote has value and it is not inherent. You need to earn it. You work for me. That's not a bad thing. That's how you should view it. Just so everyone's aware, I vote very differently in a primary than I do uh, in a general election. For example, I'll, I'll just flat out say it. I typically will vote for Rand Paul. Now, I understand there's a lot of criticisms people can give Rand Paul. Some of them are absolutely deserving. I totally get that. One of the reasons why I like voting for Rand Paul and Ron Paul is because I want the parties to know that I like a lot of what they have to say. Not everything, but I like a lot of what they have to say, and I want that you know, put into the lifeblood, um, put into the lifeblood of everything, you know, of, of the party itself. And I think it's worked. Um, now with that, they need to earn my vote. And so here's how it stands right now. What I'm seeing, number one, Trump announced that he was running in 2024. Trump has Truth Social. He's like an owner of it, financed it, whatever. He basically built the social media platform himself, and then he's he's got his own thing going on over there. He was given his account back on Twitter and on Facebook, and he's not using them. He's still sitting over at Truth Social. These are the actions of an unserious person. If you truly want to run for president, then you need to try to get your voice out anywhere and everywhere you possibly can. He's refusing to do so and instead is sitting on his small social media platform that honestly, I I looked at Truth Social and I abandoned it almost immediately. One of the reasons, one of the reasons why we're still on Twitter is it is a very viable news source. 
yeah, there's a bunch of shit libs on there. Totally get it. It's frustrating sometimes. Fantastic news source. When I go over to places like, you know, some of the, some of the other uh, named social media sites, the alternative ones, they're no good. They're no good for me. I don't get any good content on there. I can't glean stuff. So I'm going to have to have the Twitter account and this other one that I have to post to as well. And it's, it's just, I just, they're not viable because they're terrible news sources. I don't get to see what's going on. It's not a true conversation. And like, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit there and say like, oh, it's people's own bubble. Everybody likes to be in their own damn bubble. Everyone loves an echo chamber. Like, I'm not going to pretend like that's some sort of sin. No, I don't think you should be spending your leisure time getting screamed at by liberals about how awful a person you are. I'm not going to celebrate that as some sort of intellectual honesty. That's horseshit. And anybody who suggests that should be punched in the face. Come on. Like, if you want if you want to go sit over with a bunch of like-minded individuals on a social media platform, that's totally and completely acceptable. It's just no good for me because I need to create content. I need to be able to know what's going on. I don't begrudge anybody who wants to have those things. Hey, me and my buddies are going to get, I don't typically invite people who over to my house because I don't want to listen to them talk about how much they hate me. So it makes sense. You know, it's your leisure time. You can do with it what you want. But Donald Trump doesn't look serious. He looks completely unserious when he is sitting there on Truth Social, posting whatever the hell he wants. Real quick, let's see what Eric has to say. On the other hand, it may not be so much that he doesn't want to come back to Twitter. It may be that he legally isn't allowed to come back to Twitter and Facebook due to a non-compete clause. Well, then he's an idiot. Yeah, then then he's an idiot. Like just flat out. Like I don't, I get your logic, Eric. But if that if he has a non-compete clause, then he's an idiot. It's not like the guy didn't know he was going to run for president afterwards. He's an idiot. He purposefully shot himself in the foot and made it to where he can't post on other things and has to be restricted to one only site by signing a non-compete clause that is going to restrict his ability to actually uh, reach out to a larger audience so he can make some piddly amount of money on Truth Social. That is the dumbest business decision and the most ridiculous, it would be the most ridiculous contract anybody could have potentially have signed. Yeah, that that's a complete and total idiocy because like, well, actually what, let me point, point it out. And I'm not yelling at you, Eric. I mean, that's a very viable potential. It is possible that that happened. If Donald Trump did that, he's an absolute moron because what value does truth social give him that is better than him becoming the president of the United States? What possible value could truth have that's better than um, being the president of the United States again? And why, why, or why isn't anyone in Trump's inner circle speaking up and saying anything? It's either possible that there is no Trump inner circle, that he's abandoned a lot of his advisors because of trust issues, which would be totally understandable, or his inner circle is full of a bunch of idiot grifters who have no idea what the hell they're doing. Because back to the whole truth social thing, what does Donald Trump do for the most part on truth social? He bashes Ron DeSantis. That's what he's doing. He's attacking Ron DeSantis. He sits there whining about Ron DeSanctimonious and talks about how Ron DeSantis went along with mask mandates. Well, so did Donald Trump. I mean, he was the president during the pandemic. He pushed the vaccine. He pushed the COVID response. I know that these are uncomfortable things for people to hear about. And don't get me wrong. I like Trump. 
but he did do those things. He was wrong about COVID. And we did not hold back pointing that out during that time. We did not hold back pointing out how dumb some of the decisions were at the time. But he's doubling down on it, and he's trying to make Ron DeSantis look like the bad guy for policies that he also went with. He also went along with. Remember now, yes, the deep state's bad. I agree. And they're powerful. I agree. But did Trump fight the deep state or did he go along with Dr. Fauci's recommendations? He went along with Dr. Fauci's recommendations. Not all of them. Did he call them out sometimes? Yes. Was he as strong as I would have liked him to be? No. Hindsight is 2020. I will give a little bit of that. But we are in the 2020 hindsight phase. We are able to see that hindsight and Trump is still doubling down or attacking Ron DeSantis for things that Trump himself also supported. So, sorry, I'm going to light my pipe. Um, I don't begrudge. Well, I'm going to begrudge. Like It's not because he's attacking Ron DeSantis that bothers me so much. It's that he just needs to stay on message and be attacking Joe Biden and attacking the Democrats and attacking the liberals. Punching right can be necessary at certain points. Um, I just think that these points right now are stupid. That, that's the best part. It's not because he's attacking DeSantis. I don't care. If DeSantis was worthy of attack or the types of attacks, maybe. I think a lot of the attacks are stupid. I think that they're divisive and they're coming from a point of complete idiocy. I don't think that they're helpful in the idea that they don't help me see Trump as a better candidate. I don't mean, well, they're not helpful because he's punching right. Yeah, sometimes that happens. I was okay with Trump that with certain people. I was okay with him making fun of Jeb. I was okay with him making fun of Romney. Like, let's just be honest here. There are Republicans worthy of attack, 100%. But at the same time, Dude, you're going after DeSantis, who's honestly doing a pretty good job. You're not making a good case for yourself. You look like an asshole. You look bitter. You look petty. And at the same time, what are you going to do? Quit whining to me about what you think Ron DeSantis will do. I need to know what the hell you're going to do. because. And at the same time, I need to know someone. I want to see someone who's going to fight the left, not fight Ron fucking DeSantis. We're still fighting the left, man. And that's, that's, that's kind of my, my overall. And it's just, yeah, like seekers saying, I don't think it's an inner, inner, inner circle problem. I think Trump himself has been compromised. He's now just another puppet. It it's yeah, And to sanctimonious is weak sauce from HDC. It's so dumb. It's a very boomer title, right? And Trump is older. It just sucks. Uh, yeah. Where's Don Jr., Ivanka, Eric, Tiffany? Like, why aren't they speaking up? I don't, I, I, for the life of me, man, I can't tell you. I've gone through this. I have some theories. One of them is one that everyone would freak out over because it's almost a 4D chess theory. And people hate that. You can't even possibly bring it up as a potential because that's what we like to do here. I am an analyst after all, so I have to bring up a lot of potentials. Um, real quick, I did say that I was going to read the uh, seeker comments. So before I get into my my wild theory. Uh, Seeker says, DeSantis is my governor and he would make a great president, but I selfishly want him to stay here. <laughs> like, please don't run because I want you to stay governor. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, honestly, that's a really, that's a pretty good endorsement if I'm going to be honest here. Uh, and then Eric says, and we get that Trump is not a, not a polished politician or public personality 
And many would say we needed an unpolished and unapologetic, unfiltered person to be president, but his policies were excellent for the most part. No, you're right. That's just, that's the whole thing. His policies were absolutely excellent. Run on those. Run on those. How about instead of whining about Ron DeSantis, run on your policies? How about point out where your policies would be wildly successful? How about point out how much better our lives would be if you were the president of the United States in 2024 instead of whining about Ron DeSantis? And that's, you know, that's that's the thing. It's like Ron DeSantis is not the kind of guy that would, I, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would screw Trump over. And I think they're making up a bunch of wild conspiracy theories about, you know, Ron DeSantis being compromised. Let's be honest. I mean, we just had somebody here say, I think he, I think Trump might be compromised. Well, there's a large potential. Who's better to compromise? Random Florida governor or president of the United States? But like I said, we have a primary folks. And everyone can make everyone can make their position heard. If if Donald Trump wins the Republican primary, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. If Ron DeSantis wins the Republican primary, I'm going to vote for Ron DeSantis. I'm not going to discuss who I'm going to support in a primary because people to make their own decisions. I'll still report what's going on and I'll report the differences between. I am not discouraging a single person from voting for. Donald Trump in the Republican primary or discouraging a single person from voting Ron DeSantis in the Republican primary. Vote for whomever you think earned your vote. But understand that A, you don't owe anyone your vote. They have to earn it. And B, don't let anybody bully you and tell you that you have to vote a certain way. That's all I'm saying. I think it'll all maybe work out in the end, but I will give you, um, let me, let me, let me relight this pipe real quick and talk amongst yourselves. Um, and I'll, I will give you my theory, uh, my, my wild, crazy 4d chess theory. One of these days I should do like a tobacco show, but people would probably hate it. We talk about all the different ways that I inject nicotine into my body. Um, <clears throat> anyway, here's the theory. And full disclosure, this theory is merely just trying to make sense of insanity, uh, which is what we're dealing with when it comes to you know some of the stuff that Trump is doing. Um, this is a thought because of how weird Trump is being. Number one. All of the attacks that Trump is lobbing at DeSantis are good for DeSantis because it's basically taking away any ammun any potential ammunition that the left may have. It's inundating people with DeSantis criticism, which actually makes it more difficult. This was actually a big benefit that happened with Trump was he was criticized so much during the primary that by the time he won the primary, uh, everyone was just used to you criticizing him. It was just, you're always going to whine about Trump. The same people who whined about Trump the whole time are still whining about Trump. The other idea here too is, you know, strong potential that if Trump keeps all of the criticism aimed at him and everyone talking about him, it kind of allows DeSantis to be able to slide in over to DeSantis because basically everybody's aiming at Trump. 
He's still going to be in the news cycle. He's still going to be driving the left insane. And I find that interesting, but I've seen a lot of good policies from Ron DeSantis. I've seen a lot of things come out of it. And like I said, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm, I'm not a DeSantis stand. Those people are pissing me off too. Do not misunderstand me. A lot of the people that are supportive of Ron DeSantis are ridiculous and stupid, and they've basically just gone anti-Trump. You can be pro both, man. You can support both of them. The only time that you have to make a decision against is when you go in and vote for the primary, and that's just based on whomever earned your vote. And certainly some asshole on Twitter is not going to convince me who to vote for in a primary. They might give me some data points, but they sure as hell aren't going to convince me by telling me I'm a cultist if I support Trump or the other side of the coin that I'm supporting the World Economic Forum and George Soros because I voted for DeSantis. That's ridiculous. But I mean, it is interesting. I do. I think Trump needs to get his shit together if he wants to be considered a serious candidate for this primary. He needs to stop solely posting on Truth Social because that's ridiculous. Everyone on Truth Social is already probably going to vote for you, dude. You need to like kind of branch out a little bit. You need to get your message out there to you know other real people. But number two, stop whining about Ron DeSantis. Get your head in the game and start pointing out how how ridiculous Joe Biden is, how bad the liberals are, how bad the Democrats are, how terrible everything's going. You are given absolutely ripe fruit to pluck. And instead, you're whining about meatball ran Ron DeSantis, which makes you look like a freaking child. Now, Thank you for indulging me that pipe light there. The tobacco is getting dry. That's why. Um, <clears throat> with that, I do want to play an interesting, fun clip to kind of wash our palates of all of those discussions, uh, which is some of the stuff that, that we heard from Corinne Jean-Pierre, who's seriously the worst press secretary in at least my lifetime. But uh, she was being asked questions about, you know, obviously there's a lot of questions about Biden's cabinet and everything that's going on because there's been multiple crises. They're not doing so well. They're not looking so good. Um, but this is one of the weirdest things that uh, this is her defense of Joe Biden's cabinet. I want to take the opportunity to, to lay out uh, what how diverse the president's cabinet has been, how diverse the president's administration has been. Uh, the cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. Forty percent of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the presidents are openly LGBTQ+. So again, this is something that the president prides himself on. Uh, that he ha actually has taken action to show uh, the diversity of this administration. I want to take. Is that why they suck so bad? Is it because they're all diversity hires? I mean, is. <laughs> I like that comment. <laughs> the redhead with the big butt. Circle back. You mean circle back to the redhead. Um, is it because they're diversity hires? Is that why they're so bad at this? Is that why they're failing like left, right, and center? Because it's all a bunch of diversity hires? Because I feel like that's what they just admitted. And what a ridiculous thing. Like only, only Washington elitists give a damn about this kind of stuff. Only Washington elitists get excited over the idea of like, look at how diverse we are. We have so many gays in our cabinet and people of color. And did you catch the other one? 
identify as women. Because you had like that energy undersecretary, like super creepy dude who uh, was stealing women's clothing, identified as a woman. You have uh, Rachel Levine identifies as a woman and holds an admiral's rank in the Navy. Dear God. I mean, wow, you're so diverse. Like, who cares about that? Like, I want a country that can function. But I do want to shift gears. We were talking a little bit about, I, I had to play that. I couldn't figure out how to wedge it in just yet, but I do want to play the clip. I know that this has gotten very popular and has been shared a lot this week, but um, the uh, the forewoman of the Georgia special, um, oh, what's the term that they have for it? Not a, it's not a special counsel. That's what came into my head, right? Um, but there's a grand jury, special grand jury in Florida that's reviewing the election fraud statements that were made, which by the way, just so everyone's aware, the special grand jury can't actually, they can hand out uh, recommendations and things and indictments, but that none of this actually equals a guilt of anything. It would actually have to go to a different trial, just so everyone's aware. But early on this week, I got to watch the entire thing fall apart for the left because when initially when this chick came out and said that she believes that like when she was basically hinting at the idea of Donald Trump getting indicted, all of these liberals got so excited and were like, oh my God, girl boss, girl boss, four woman is talking about Trump getting indicted. And then about five minutes later, they were like, she needs to shut up and stop talking. And to include, it's now turned into a conspiracy that she's actually a hidden Trumper and she's trying to get Donald Trump. She's trying to throw the case for Donald Trump. That's literally what, what I'm seeing from liberals now. So they were celebrating her. Then they wanted her to shut up. Now she's actually a hidden Trumper that's trying to throw the entire case. And it's because of interviews like this. Personally, want to hear from the former president. I wanted to hear from the former president. But honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in. I just... I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Now, the more weird part about that clip is is her face, um, which obviously you guys can't see because this is audio, but she looks crazy. <laughs> I've seen people like this. I've met people like this, but she looks crazy. And it also instantiates the question of how the hell did this person become the the four the the forewoman? foreman for the jury. How? How did this even happen? Now, I know a lot of people have a lot of weird theories on that. My big one is nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Nobody else wanted to do it. Um, but she's definitely a very, very, very strange girl, but the media couldn't help themselves. And they rushed over because they needed somebody to feed them their copium about Donald Trump going to jail because they've been promising everybody that they were going to be going to jail. They've been promising that Donald Trump was going to go to jail. They've promised it to their voters for years and years and years. And then they always change it. They always, you know, move the goalposts, not just yet, everybody just hang on, you know, but we're going to, we're going to put the big, mean, man, big, mean, bad Trump in jail. It's going to totally happen. Just keep voting Democrat or something. But then it doesn't happen. And they needed that shot of copium. 
it's important to them. They need it to exist and subsist. It's it's very important that at some point they just renew the NPC programming that Donald Trump's going to go to jail because he's just such a big mean man who says mean stuff on Twitter. Um, so they couldn't help themselves and they had this idiot go out there and she just said crazy stuff and she looks very unhinged and pretty crazy. And uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of questions for uh, Donald Trump's defense. I think a lot of defense attorneys right now are getting ready for indictments to come out and to point out how nuts this, uh, this girl is. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's a, it's a little psychotic and, uh, like HG cynical saying is unless Trump Trump's lawyers have an IQ smaller than their, than their shoe size, uh, they will have this dumbass deposed as a hostile witness. Yeah, it's bad. It doesn't look good. Now, I don't know. I don't know what's going to come out of this. I know that it's being dramatically oversold by the media. Anything that comes out of this uh, court, like there's a lot more that would have to be done for Donald Trump to go to jail, you know, and, and the ultimate goal here, the ultimate goal here is that Democrats want Trump to not be able to run for president. They want to disqualify him, which I find interesting because would they if donald if, if somehow the democrats find a legal way to disqualify donald trump from running for president then all of donald trump's support goes to ron DeSantis, and joe biden doesn't have a chance in hell that sound like a good strategy to you guys it doesn't sound like a good one to me. It actually sounds like Democrats would actually be better served, uh, especially if if Trump's not doing so well, if some of the activity that we're seeing coming from him, maybe this is part of it. Um, maybe if some of the activity coming from Trump uh, suggests that if he lo- loses the primary, that he would try to go independent and run and then therefore, you know, divide the divide the vote and make it to where Joe Biden's shambling corpse would still somehow get elected. So, yeah, I mean, the best strategy for the Democrats to have a chance in hell in 2024 is to keep Trump in, especially if he is um kind of losing it to the point where if Ron DeSantis has made the candidate that Donald Trump would do something as dumb. And this is, this is actually the part that concerns me the most is that if the voters in the Republican party choose Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump might be so stupid as to try to go independent and therefore split the vote and screw everybody over. That's my big actual worry of what could happen. So let's see what Eric has to say here. The reason why the media likes to focus their energy and attention on attacking Donald Trump, because Trump is good for their ratings. True. If they were to quit attacking Donald Trump, all of a sudden their ratings would go into the shitter and they'd lose lose sponsors. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent true. Um, and, and part of that is because attacking Donald Trump, you know, is the copium for, you know, the loser libs who still watch these uh, news stations. You know, who are they going to sell their self-lubricating catheters to if all the libs that, you know, tune into Morning Joe for their daily hit of Trump hate, you know, their two minutes hate, 
um, you know, who are they going to appeal to? Now, speaking of two minutes hate, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the wonderful Fed op that we all got to see on social media, uh, which is <laughs> the uh, supposed day of hate. I don't know if you all know this, but uh, yesterday was supposedly um, supposedly a, a holiday uh, called the Day of Hate. Uh, no one had heard of it until basically last week, and uh, this all was, I don't know about you guys, but it looks 100% staged. It looks like complete and total BS. Um, yeah, so... This this is this, so this is what happened. I'll, I'll I'll walk you guys through the entire information here. Um, at some point uh, last week, I started seeing videos where some guys, I think it was in Iowa, uh, who were wearing like the Hawaiian shorts, Hawaiian shirt gig. It was like five dudes were standing outside somewhere, possibly like a synagogue or something, and were yelling in a bullhorn at Jewish people. Um. It's people yelling in a bullhorn and saying mean things. Uh, we were all supposed to be very upset over this, apparently, uh, even though it's like this same stuff that liberals do all the time. And everyone talks about how that's part of the First Amendment. But they were saying mean stuff about Jewish people. So um, it's worse for reasons, I guess. Uh, because, because, yeah, because it's a minority group and, you know, nobody cares if white people are yelled at at bullhorns. We, we all get it, right? We don't need to go down that silly road. But the point is, is that this was happening. Um, I'm sure some people are going to say that, that, that it was a bunch of heads, maybe. Um, if it was or wasn't, kind of doesn't matter because it was just a few guys dressed in silly clothes yelling at people with a bullhorn. Who cares? Anybody who acts like that's a giant threat to you is ridiculous and just trying to get attention. Like, oh my God, wham. Oh no, some people yelled mean things through a bullhorn. Yeah, it's like not my gig. I don't really agree with it. I don't see the value in it or benefit of it. Like sitting there screaming at people through a bullhorn is stupid no matter who you are. And I just don't think it helps anything. But yeah, like, okay. Like I, I did legitimately see even some right wing accounts that were talking about how awful and terrible and oh just the the alt right oh god it's so awful oh and it's like seriously like dude if you're gonna act like you're being victimized by a bunch of dudes in Hawaiian shorts and shirts yelling mean things like you need to thicken your skin I guess like seriously. It's just ridiculous, but the, but that wasn't the point. The point wasn't that they're actually afraid of these guys. The point was that they wanted to play identity politics. Some of them are just as obsessed as everyone else. Everyone loves being able to have the shield of identity to protect you and, and make you feel valuable. You know, so any chance that anybody gets to you know declare themselves as even even right wingers do this sometimes, but the chance that they get to declare themselves some sort of minority. They feel like it gives them special status and it gives them even more of a the ability to speak in the room. It's all very anti-conservatism. It's all very anti-liberty. It's all very anti-individualist, uh, but they still fall for the trap because it gives them special perks and special bonuses. And so I think it's just so dumb and I hate it. But point is, this was being shared all over the internet. It was either a fed op or it was dumb and didn't need any attention at all. 
none of that really matters because suddenly we started hearing that this group of people or some group of people were declaring that on on February 25th, it would be a day of hate. And this was supposed to be when a bunch of right-wingers got together and screamed about Jewish people. And it was a giant anti-Semitic celebration. Except nobody ever heard about it. No one heard about it before. No one heard about it ever. This was never a thing. But according to the media, this was totally a thing. And these guys in Iowa, they totally said it. It was It's super real. And then we saw all of these politicians come out and talk against the day of hate, the anti-Semitic old Republican politicians need to come out and stand against the day of hate that nobody had heard of. It was totally made up. Like only liberals were talking about this day of hate, but it was trending on Twitter. And where are all the Republicans condemning it? Well, it wasn't condemned. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. The media went crazy over it. Democrat politicians, liberal journalists all told us that there was going to be this day of hate and it was going to happen on Saturday and it was going to be terrible. Neo-Nazis in the streets, marching around, just Nazis everywhere. It was going to be like crystal knocked but it didn't happen. Literally nothing happened. It was a giant fed op. Like it was either completely made up by the media or it was made up by the FBI to try to get a bunch of people to gather together. And everybody saw that it glowed (laughs) even in sunlight and no one showed up because of course they would do that. For some reason, the left felt encouraged to create some BS thing claiming that there was going to be this giant anti-Semitic thing yesterday and not a damn thing happened. I didn't, I I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I looked, I looked hard. I didn't see anything. Saw a whole lot of people telling me that this day of hate was going to occur and then it didn't happen which seems to be that there seems to be a large supply issue for the left for all these neo-Nazis. I mean, if you ask leftists, like the the country should be crawling with neo-Nazis. They should be everywhere. Well, where the hell were they for their day of hate? I mean, there's supposed to be tons of them all over the United States. Where were they? I'm confused. Where were all the neo-Nazis? You see, and that's because they made it up. It was a lie. The only thing that we don't know is why. Why did the left decide to create this giant lie that there was going to be some big, you know, white supremacist anti-Semite thing yesterday when it was inevitably going to like fizzle out? Unless maybe a bunch of federal agents actually did show up to something, but just like nobody joined them and they like, you know, made sure the pictures didn't go on the internet because they're like, oh God, everyone's going to figure out that it's like just us. And we're all FBI. Or maybe the Lincoln Project showed up again. So remember, the Lincoln Project staged um, an entire event where supposedly there's all these news stories about these white supremacists that showed up to a Glenn Youngkin rally here in Virginia. And then we found out that they were actually all paid by the Lincoln Project because, of course, they were. And this is what's fascinating is more and more 
we're coming to the realization that the left really seems to have a racial supply problem. Um, the left cannot seem for the life of them to find enough actual racists uh, for them to show the problems uh, that this country faces with regards to racism. And, uh, you know, I think that that's worth, uh, that's worth discussing because, uh, you know, why, if there's all these racists everywhere, all these anti-Semites everywhere, well, where, where's all the, uh, where's all the evidence of it? It should be great, right? It should be totally easy for you to find it, but they always seem to have a supply problem. And so they always need to like elevate like uh, this kind of like nothing burger going on for them to sort of prove their, you know, super scary point. I, I don't know. I find that I find it very interesting that we saw the entire news media tell us that something was going to happen yesterday and then nothing did. And none of them will be held to account. But like, why do you think they did it? What was the point? Now, I do know that at the same time yesterday or at some point, some point yesterday, uh, a bunch of people in Virginia lined up outside some drag show and they were all adults, but they were standing in solidarity for, you know, drag queen story hours or some nonsense, um, which, okay. Like I'm not sure who they're trying to appeal to. And I'm not sure who gets excited over the idea of, oh my gosh, we absolutely have to defend the poor put upon drag queens who people don't want dancing around their children. I'm not sure who gets it. I imagine that the people who get excited by this don't have children <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff that people get upset about when it comes to like their kids that I can completely understand. I may not necessarily get behind on all of it, but it's like, I can sit there and be like, yeah, I can see why that worries you. I can understand why you're upset about that. I'm not going to get like, crazy about X, Y, or Z, but like, I can totally understand why it would bother you and that's okay. And anybody who has kids kind of understands that feeling. So I feel like all the people that are like, I am just so upset that people would even question the idea of a man dressed up like a woman in a scant outfit twerking in front of a children is a bad thing. I can't even imagine it. Um, so I don't know. It's, uh, it, 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 it's fascinating to me. That's the only other thing that I saw was this drag queen story. Or so maybe what they were trying to do was get some sort of counter reaction to that. So they could try to scream violence or something, but I'm honestly not sure. See, HD cynical says if they continue to look white supremacists, if they continue to look white supremacists, sure. But BLM and Antifa are determined to make up for the lack of pogroms. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Like BLM and Antifa, if unleashed, I think they're being kept on a short leash because Biden's in office, but if unleashed, um, you know, that's, it's going to be a big deal. And seeker says back in the day, a man drag dancing around kids would have been shot on site. It's one of the funniest parts. Um, when it comes to the entire drag queen thing is, you know, I I've volunteered with a lot of youth organizations and because of how gross, uh, a lot of people are, you obviously have to go through, um, training for like child molestation and safety and, and things like that. Right. Not just obviously like, Hey, here's, here's the rules we have to make sure you guys aren't creepy and weird. 
Um, but also, you know, here's how to spot signs of abuse and things like that. And I can tell you, um, any convert, <laughs> the, it's going to be interesting to see how some of this kind of stuff changes, how some of the youth protection type things change because a lot, <laughs> I'm not even joking. A lot of the stuff used for training materials on how to spot somebody who is potentially a predator. It's a lot like what you're seeing in the U S education system, breaking down barriers, boundaries, uh, atomizing them from their family, from their parents, telling them that they're, they, they can't trust their parents or their parents would overreact to something, giving them special favors, special assistance, special attention, all of these things. All of the stuff that that is used as an example for being able to spot abuse, spot spot grooming, and things like that, um, these are all things that we're seeing trying to be normalized in the U.S. education system, youth programs, and by these creeps who want you know drag queens dancing around kids and want transgender children. Hey, don't tell your parents; they won't understand. Only I understand you. It's okay. If you're transgender, we'll give you a special bathroom. We'll give you, you know, special everything. We'll pay more attention to you. We'll call you a hero. I mean, these are all the signs that I was taught. And I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. These are things that I was taught to look for in adults who were trying to groom children. And so you'll forgive me for suggesting Maybe not everybody who's jumping on board with this nonsense is a child molester or a groomer, but certainly these movements would appeal to those people. So, <laughs> yeah, you were just now confirming that the system is now the predator. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I think the system's being predatory. But I think that it's because the government does well, what we saw was obvious when people started pushing back on this and it was totally logical that people would push back and have problems and be concerned. The issue that I then ran into or that I then run into is the fact that I think that this is encouraged a lot in the idea that the state cannot have parents being active in education. The state benefited a lot from parents basically getting lazy and complacent. Things were going okay. Stuff was going all right. I don't need to pay attention to what my kid's being taught because more kids are going to college and he's going to be successful because he's getting an education or whatever, right? And so I don't need to constantly watch. I can focus on other things. I can relax, for lack of a better term. And that sounds great. I mean, that is what we want in a country. The problem is that they took advantage of that complacency. And so now people are seeing the horrors that were wrought from the complacency. And I think some of it is actually people in my age group, in my generation, uh, you know, I was born, I was born in 1985, but people in my generation coming up and going, Hey guys, uh, the school system is hundred percent about indoctrinating us. And we saw it, we saw the horrid face, uh, that was this indoctrination. And now we're saying, I'm not going to let them do that to my kid because I was lucky to have avoided it. But now we're seeing it get worse and we don't want that for our children. So we're pushing back. Well, now the state is losing its damn mind because that is their main and primary source of control. They can't have parents getting involved in education because education is how they turn every kid into a liberal. Every kid that goes to college 
they will try to turn into a liberal. And then at best, we can try to you know, get them back to the side of normalcy and logic. But they twist it around. They target them. I even know conservatives, perfectly good conservatives, people who vote conservative, that I'll have conversations with. Sometimes it's people at work. Primarily, there's actually a, a one woman that I work with who regularly still says kind of shit lib stuff where I'm like, how, wait, 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 wait. I thought you were a conservative. And she'd be like, I am. Well, how do you believe this? Why do you believe this thing? How do you go around? Like, how do you square that? And you're like, oh, well, I don't know. And it's like, yeah, see, exactly. Because you've been indoctrinated. Like, I'm not mean to this person by any means, you know, and she's young. She doesn't fully understand it, but it's like, wait a minute. Do you not understand how this was fed to you by the same people who hate you? You know, and this is somebody who's, you know, faithful, uh, you know, very, very Christian, very devout and all this, but still gets inundated, especially as a woman with all of this nonsense about how like literally basically told that she can't be successful. And you can see the landmines go off sometimes. Well, they're probably not taking me seriously because I'm a woman. What? No. What? Like, show me, show me where somebody like, show me point to the sexist in the room and I will, I will sit them down. And if they absolutely are being sexist, I will fire them. Well, no, I don't mean like that. Okay. But, and that's the problem is like, do you not see how you've been trained to be, to be a victim? Have you not seen how you've been trained to be weak, to give up on yourself, to assume that you can't win, to assume you cannot elevate at all beyond this because of who you are. I, and, and that's just, that's just a, that's just a white female who's extremely intelligent. I can't imagine what it's like being a minority in the United States. I'm surprised that they don't have, and well, to be fair, I don't know the numbers, but I'm surprised that they don't have a massively elevated suicide rate. Uh, how could you possibly be successful in a world where you're told you don't have a chance in hell? But that's what we do. And the reason why is because that's how they control us. And they want to do it to our children. They want our children alone and scared with no commonality, nothing to grab a hold of, specifically no God. So they'll worship government. It's almost like a serial killer movie. I'm going to lock you in a dark basement and then I'm going to rescue you from the dark basement that I locked you in. And then you'll be my most loyal and committed subject. And that's the problem. And like uh, Seeker's pointing out in our chat here, it's going to take a long time to get rid of the brainwashing. And it is because it's everywhere. Believe me, you know, be, be me. I can't watch a movie anymore without seeing the propaganda. And it infuriates me. It's terrible. Sometimes going to school functions just grates on me because of the amount of nonsense that I have to listen to and the indoctrination. And I just want them to shut the hell up and just teach my kids. But they won't. They have to virtue signal. They have to go through this nonsense. They have to do this liberal bullshit, you know, stupid dance to just basically prove to everybody that they're the enemy. And that's the worst part is you know that they hate you. You know, you know, you know that they want you, basically they want you dead. Let's see. Seeker says, if you get into an argument with my boss's wife, there's a high chance that she will throw 
throw over throw you over the table. Oh, that's interesting. Does that mean you have a big, strong, like, is your boss's wife, like, ripped? <laughs> but no, that is that is a fundamental issue. And, and I mean, it's, it's crazy to watch. And it, it's even worse because I think actually where it's good for us, I, I think the part that needs to be pointed out here is where it is, um, where it's good for us is it's becoming really obvious. And I think that that's because the left is very desperate. And so it's becoming extremely obvious that they're pushing the propaganda. And I think the freakouts of parents just asking what's in their school curriculum. I mean, that's what won the governor race here in Virginia. It wasn't that, you know, Glenn Youngkin's such a great, smooth political operator. I mean, nothing necessarily against him. But at the same time, like he didn't do anything that amazing. He's not that amazing of a politician and he didn't have that great of a, you know, platform that wasn't pretty milquetoast conservative. It was the fact that Loudoun County schools hid a rape and then claimed it didn't happen. There's some question about whether or not it's because the student was transgender that they were even able to get access to that bathroom. But at the same time, they hid a rape. And then when parents started demanding what the hell was going on at the school, uh, they had those parents added to an FBI terror list. And so, yeah, I think we're doing a good job. I think we're getting ahead. It's pretty damn scary, but people like you out there have been doing a great job bringing attention to it. And, you know, you have to keep it up. You have to keep telling your friends. You have to keep engaging. And it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It is hard. But it's also worth it. And we are making inroads. Things are getting a lot better. Um, you know, and I think we can keep moving forward. The next thing that we do have is the primary. And the big advice that I'm going to give everybody is just make sure politicians earn your vote. What you shouldn't do is don't devolve into the nonsense of having to argue the primary right now on social media amidst the DeSantis stands and the Trumpists. It's dumb. It's only meant to divide. There are people who are making a lot of money off of it right now, and the left certainly is loving it. You don't have to get involved. It's okay to read about it, and it's okay to make an informed decision by by any means. But don't start atomizing your friends that agree with you on almost every other point just because people are telling you that you need to choose one or the other now. You get to do that. There's a date. You can look it up. Just look up when your state Republican primary is, and then you can go pull that lever. If you want to support someone that's running, because it's not just Trump and DeSantis, there's also Nikki Haley, pause for laughter, uh, and then Vivek, I think, is the other guy. Don't know anything about that person. Um, but there's going to be several people, and that's good. A lot of people in a primary is a good thing. All of this is good as long as the candidates know that their job is to earn our vote. That's going to be it for today. Make something up. Be sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio for $2.99 a month. You can help sponsor this program and get access to our discord server. I'm Aaron and I'm keeping an eye on the left.